Shush Box Podcast, a safe space for self-expression, healing, and empowerment. Brought to you by Chani Ra, writer and artist. Self-love and embodiment coach, Jacqueline Michelle. And Sunita, founder of Shushbox, the wellness platform supporting survivors of sexual trauma. Hello listeners and welcome back to the very last episode of this season's Shushbox podcast. Today's episode is hosted by me, Sunita, and we're going to be joined by Ariel Gordon, who is the Programmes Director of RAIN. RAIN, which stands for Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network, is the US's largest anti-sexual violence organisation. They created and operate the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which can be reached at 800-656-HOPE. We'll be talking more about how to set boundaries during the holidays and the work that Rain is doing to support survivors during these times. Let's get to it. So thank you, Ariel, for joining us on the Shushbox podcast. Very happy to have you here. Hi, Sunita. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Excellent. So I thought we could kick things off um, for the listeners at home for you to give a little introduction to yourself and what your role entails at RAIN. Absolutely. Um, So my name is Ariel Gordon and I am the interim program director for RAIN's National Sexual Assault Hotline. Our hotline is, um, it runs 24 hours a day and seven days a week. So we have a really big team who's operating that hotline. And my role is to oversee that team and make sure that um, all of our our operations are running smoothly and that we are providing high quality support and services to survivors of sexual violence, as well as their loved ones and really anyone who might come to the hotline. Amazing. Thank you so much. And it sounds like incredible work that you're doing at RAIN. Uh, We're huge supporters of the work that you do do. So really excited to have you here with us. And I know we were just speaking on it previously just there to the holidays are coming up. So yeah, the topic of the conversation we discussed was holidays and how holidays can actually be quite a triggering time for many survivors so I thought we could just delve into that question of why is the holidays such a trigger do we think for survivors yeah I think this is such an important topic and I'm so glad that that we're having the opportunity to speak about it I know um, you know there's so much joy that comes with the holidays and it also can be a really stressful time Um, and that is particularly can be particularly true for survivors. Um, The holidays themselves, you know, it's a time of a lot of people feeling added pressure of um, having perfect holiday celebrations and really being in large groups of people often and spending time with family and friends and Again, while that can be really joyful, there are dynamics that come into play in those settings that can be really stressful for a survivor. 
So for example, you know, spending time with, with family, if you are a survivor of sexual violence that may have been related to a family member or was disclosed to a family member and, you know, you haven't felt support um, in, the, in the aftermath of that disclosure, then spending time in those spaces can be really stressful. Um, we really, you know, recognize on on the hotline and at Rain that um, this is a this is a busy time of year for us in the sense that we are providing um, services and support to to folks really around the clock who are struggling with um, navigating the holiday spaces and how to feel comfortable uh, this time of year. Absolutely. I was actually just having this conversation last week with some friends of asking the question of what are you doing for the holidays? And yeah, like you say, there is this um, kind of underlying pressure sometimes to have that perfect Christmas or the perfect holidays. So I think it's really important to highlight that's not going to look the same for every individual. So it can actually be a triggering time and entering the holidays. So I really like how you explain that there. What are some ways do you think that survivors can um, maybe pr- protect themselves, set some boundaries? Um, do you have any advice on on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, you know, we work with survivors and really support survivors in navigating this on their own. And we really, with our support, but really to empower survivors to navigate the direction that works for them. So um, everyone's kind of recipe is a little bit different, but some of the, um, some of the suggestions that, that we use with, that we recommend or work through with survivors um, our self-care. We're huge promoters of self-care um, in navigating folks' journeys of healing and really navigating this time of the year. And so, um, yeah, spending time in a, in a big family gathering or a big gathering with friends may be self-care for some folks who are really extroverted and, and find energy in um spending time with family and friends, but some folks may really need the self-care to be time alone or time, um, you know, practicing mindfulness, really making sure that you're carving out whatever it is for you that is an opportunity to reset and feel grounded. And like I said, that's really different for every individual. And so um, we might, uh, in our work on the hotline, we might um, suggest to survivors different different ideas like taking time to read a book or um, really taking time for exercise and taking time for um, the types of activities that do allow you to have that reset. But again, it's up to the individual. We also, you mentioned boundaries and boundaries are so important um, at this time of year and always for folks to know kind of what pushes them outside of their comfort zone and to be confident and comfortable in um, knowing those boundaries for themselves and when necessary, vocalizing those boundaries to others because, um, you know, what there is a lot of pressure this time of year. And so you, it's important to, to identify those boundaries early on so that you can be comfortable sticking to them in the moment when there might be pressure to, to push beyond that boundary. 
Absolutely. And I love some of the self-care suggestions that you had there. And the fact that you mentioned that it will be, you know, what looks like self-care for one person might not necessarily uh, work for another. So it is very unique to the individual. So I love that you mentioned um, some different self-care ideas there. Boundaries are such a such a big one. Um, what would you... And it can be quite difficult, I think, for survivors who might feel uncomfortable setting those boundaries. Do you have any advice when it comes to actually setting boundaries? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Setting boundaries, I think even recognizing and knowing what your own boundaries are can be really difficult um, because they're a little bit, they're they're difficult to define. Um, they're really based on your, your, your gut feeling and where you, um, you know, where you know you're comfortable and um, you might not know right away what your boundary is. You might find yourself in a space and recognize, you know, this is a little bit outside of what I'm comfortable with and I need to take a step back. Um, so I think uh, the knowing how to set those boundaries for yourself can be a journey um, of its own and b- being really patient in terms of, you know, recognizing what might be um, giving yourself the space to to define what those boundaries are. Um, it's really important because this space can um, allow, allow a survivor to feel like they can really act genuinely and be who they are once they're aware of those boundaries. They really help us to define who we are and um, allow us to make the decisions that help to make um, individuals safe. So it can be a little bit of a, a, um, I want to say trial and error in the sense that um, they're not, it's not a, it's not a formula to set those boundaries, but to think back on experiences you might've had that, you know, make you uncomfortable and might be triggering to give yourself the space to think about what m- was triggering in that moment and, and how to proactively then um, think through avoiding those situations in the future and knowing that that's something that um, you really need to be proactive about to maintain your safety and comfort. Mm, Yes, that's a great explanation. And I guess as well, when setting boundaries, um, people can change their mind about their their boundaries as well, right? So it could be a case of um, also uh, effectively communicating maybe when one of your boundaries has changed. So maybe, for example, last year you were you know, interested in going out and meeting with a lot of people. Um, But it can change over time as well, right? People's boundaries shift and change as they go on their healing journeys. Absolutely. I mean, even just looking at the boundaries that folks have set in the past year and a half due to the due to the COVID-19 pandemic, right? Folks have the comfort levels that folks have with physical boundaries have really adjusted. And that might be true for a survivor, depending on where they are in their healing journey as well. Um, And and it's really, there's no right or wrong progression of boundaries. So something you might have been comfortable with before that no longer feels comfortable is absolutely your decision to make. And there's no, um, there's no reason to feel pressure to, to, 
move back to being comfortable with something you once were. So that's something that we we really encourage visitors, survivors on the hotline to remember that this is their journey and they are the ones who can define their boundaries. And um, it's they are the ones who are solely uh, in in the position to do that. And there's no pressure to um, to to move back to something that you once were comfortable with if you no longer are. So glad that you mentioned there, obviously, with um, COVID and changes just in people's level of uh, interaction. It's, even with myself, sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, all those face-to-face <laughs> interact. Now I'm like, I'm so tired from <laughs> one a day. I'm like, yes, yeah, so you have to ease yourself into it. So I'm very happy that you mentioned that um, as well, that specifically over the last 18 months uh, people's lifestyles have changed significantly so I think it's good to take tune of how you're feeling um, and setting those boundaries accordingly I just wanted to I know you mentioned obviously rain has the hotline um, do you have any other work that you're doing um, in the build-up to the holidays and supporting survivors great question so we do. We have um, we have a number of other departments and, and opportunities to work with survivors and work with other folks in the in the community to raise awareness about sexual violence and to support survivors. So the hotline is one big piece of our work, but we also do focus on educating folks. So that can that's through policy and advocacy, as well as through research and publication of the data that we know to be true for um, survivors. And so that's one other way that we are always um, really advocating for folks who have had these experiences, as well as um, working with our communications team works quite a bit with the media and with the entertainment industry to help ensure that Folks who are survivors are accurately depicted um, in the media and also that the experiences of survivors are accurately depicted so that um, anyone who might be absorbing that information can can really have a more realistic understanding of um, what the healing journey looks like for survivors. And finally, we also um, do work with other organizations and businesses to to promote a culture of anti-sexual violence within their own communities. So what types of policies need to be in place and what types of training are useful for members of an organization or a business to, again, help um, build that culture of safety and anti-sexual violence. So all of those efforts are ongoing throughout the year, and they will continue to be ongoing through this holiday season, through all of those different avenues um, to really get the message out um, that survivors are, to empower survivors to, to seek the safety that they need. Amazing work. Yes, I love how you're working with the different organizations and also bringing awareness um, through different avenues, like you say. So there's a true depiction of of what sexual violence looks like and how a person can be affected and also heal from the experiences. 
Um, I think you might have just covered it then, but I wanted to just uh, ask you, what do you think there is in terms of society? So if we have friends, maybe that might have gone through an experience or family members. Do you have any advice for supporting um, people within our own networks on like a day to day basis? Yes, absolutely. Great, great question. So important. Um, So we do. I mean, we know from our work on the hotline from our work with survivors that um, the the first time that an individual discloses an experience of sexual violence can really set the tone for their entire healing journey. So it's so important for anyone to have something, to have the tools to be able to receive that information from a friend or a family member and react in a way that is helpful and setting the tone for that person's healing journey um, to be to be productive as as best as we can. So at Rain, we are big fans of tools to help remember um, what to do in these moments because they can be high pressure and can be really stressful. So the tool that we use um, to encourage folks to be supportive and when someone might disclose is called the talk method. Um, so that's an acronym with the T standing for thank the person for telling you. The A is for asking how you can help. The L is for listening without judgment. And the K is to keep supporting that individual. I'm happy to talk more about what each of those steps are, but that's just kind of a quick a quick trick that we suggest that folks keep in mind so that if you find yourself in that moment on the receiving end of information from someone you really care about, um, that you have some sense of how to how to support them and get started on that healing journey in a positive way. I really love that. And it's so simple to to remember talk. Yes, I love how you've got the acronym there. I guess when it comes to the one that was just jumping out for me there was the listening without judgment. Um, obviously, with the, the victim blaming culture that is sadly apparent in society, how do you think it's, we could maybe incorporate more on that listening without bringing the judgment that's not necessarily ours, but it's sometimes that judgment that's coming from a wider society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is this is such an important one and also can be really difficult because exactly as you're saying, you might find that you have biases or, or deeply ingrained, um, you know, just reactions to, to an event like this that someone might share with you. And so, this is the listening without judgment is also really core to the way that we train the folks on our hotline because this is such an important piece of su- supporting survivors. Um, but I can give some some real concrete examples of what it looks like to listen without judgment, and um, the core of that is really to listen to be. To, to give your undivided attention to the person who's speaking to you. So if someone starts talking to you about an experience when you might be on your phone, you know, scrolling Facebook, like we all do, 
put that phone down and really give that person your attention so that they know that you are actively listening to what they're sharing and you're really focused on what they're telling you. Um, Can also really focus on their feelings. So you might have feelings about what they're sharing with you. It's really natural to feel some anger or shock when someone might be sharing with you an experience of sexual violence. But this person has come to you because they really trust you with their feelings and with their experience. So it's important when you're in on the receiving end to, um, to really focus on listening to them and listening to whatever the survivor is telling you um, and receiving it in a calm and empathetic way as best as you can. Some of the phrases, you know, that are helpful to keep in mind for these conversations that you might... Um, say, you know, might be able to react with are things like, I'm sorry, this happened to you. So really reiterating that it's something that happened to the person. It's not their fault that it happened. It's something that happened to them. Um, Also saying something like, I believe you, or it's not your fault. Those are really important um, phrases to keep in mind that convey a non-judgmental way of thinking about what the what the survivor what the individual is telling you absolutely I love those um and I think as well in today's society it sounds so simple listening but people can be so distracted (laughs) so distracted and I think even in this context it's so important I mean I think we've covered most of the questions is there anything else that we can look out for from rain um obviously we've spoken a little bit there about what's happening over the holidays is there anything new or exciting happening for the new year um Well, we are really excited that coming up next year, we are going to be um, just growing as a hotline so that we can be providing additional support to folks who are coming, um, who, who, who need the support and need these services. So um, that's something really important that we're looking forward to, but I, you know, um, this is such this is this is such a, an important time to be focusing on individuals for individuals to be focusing on themselves in addition to the excitement of the holidays and that time with family and friends and so um, what what we're really looking forward to at Rain is being available to those folks and and being of being a listening ear for um, anyone who needs that outlet in the coming months and uh, just really encourage folks to um, feel empowered to set those boundaries like we did talk about and set those boundaries for themselves without um, any sense of, of judgment or hesitation about what they need because they know best. And this is such an important time to do that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. It was lovely having you on. And I think we've shared some really great um, tips and advice there for not only survivors, but also um, people supporting survivors during these important times, like you say. So thank you so much. We're big supporters of the work that Rain is doing. How can people, obviously there is the hotline. Is there any more information you want to give in terms of how people can connect with Rain? Uh, yeah, definitely go to our website anytime um, for if you're if you are looking for that one on one support, then that's you can access the hotline through our website or by calling um, by calling the hotline at any time. You can also um, 
come to the website for resources. So we have a lot of information if you don't need support yourself, but again, you're looking to support someone in your community. There are a lot of resources available on the hotline on the website that can that can help um, meet you know meet you where you are and the specific situation that you find yourself in. So yeah, again, I would say. Our website, rain.org, is the is a great resource as well as calling the hotline. The Shushbox podcast is brought to you by the team at Shushbox. We are a wellness platform created by survivors for survivors. For more information, head to www.shushbox.com and check us out on Instagram at underscore shushbox.